Well, it's all settled now. Leeds United and Leicester City are relegated and Everton stay up by the scruff of their necks. Roll on 2023-24 and Kenilworth Road. Welcome to the Big Kickoff Football Show in a week where Borussia Dortmund let the Bundesliga title slip through their fingers. Former league champions Leicester City are relegated and Aston Villa grab a European spot. My name is Roy Shanahan and I'm joined by David Bugler and Neil Dobbs from BigKickoff.com. And Dave, Everton had the perfect opponent to see them over the line today and they get to see another year in the Premier League. Yeah, they live to fight another day once again. It was no kind of Barry Horn or Graeme Stewart there. Uh, dramatic proportions but uh, listen it was a perfect opportunity but they made hard work of it I think a little bit with the last 15-20 minutes I thought they were trying to push for the second goal a little bit too much and left themselves with one or two potential scares but look they got the job done and that's all that matters and kind of an appropriate celebration at the end a couple of the kids wanted to just probably just get onto the pitch but you could see a lot of them just wanted to stay up in that stay up in the stands and and have a go with the owners and have a go at listen this is not good enough and yes we're delighted we stayed up but come on we don't want to be back here again. And obviously, Connor Cody said something similar to that um, when they got him in the tunnel. But uh, yeah, it was an ideal opponent. They they threw an odd jab or two, but thankfully uh, for them, uh, the fight wasn't completely enough for Bournemouth as much as uh, as much as they tried to push too hard for that second goal. Like I said, but look, they live to fight another day, and very lucky considering with the new ground coming. And then there's rumours that it's all going to be announced by tomorrow uh, about a deal for uh, either a backing or a new owner. And the reason why they're waiting till tomorrow is because it was going to be worth one pot of money if they're in the Premier League or another pot of money if they're in the Championship. So apparently it's going to come out in the next day or two uh, about backing or new ownership or something, allegedly, as they say. Backing doesn't really make too much of a difference because they've already spent money. And as Roy Keane said after the game, they've spent hundreds of millions to be worse than they were. So it's really got to do with who's savvy and who can, who can get the right players in. Yeah, and if it, look, listen, if you're following a kind of a, a roadmap at the moment, you look at the Brighton model at the moment, seems to be outshining everybody where they're bringing in the players, the right kind of players for the right system, for the right manager, and it just seems to work out. Whereas you feel Everton maybe true money at players that weren't quite there, trying to get themselves elevated and be, between Ancelotti and then Lampard and then Rafa and now... Um, Deutsch, it's it just doesn't it doesn't feel right. So they need to kind of reset. I think Cody, by the way, spoke brilliantly about it afterwards in the tunnel when he was like, you know, yeah, celebrate, but at the same time, let's not make a habit of being here every year. So they need to reset now. They need to bring in the right recruitment. Um, they're going to be a, a, a number of teams looking for a striker this year, which it seems like everybody's looking for a striker. Um, and then they need to build that, rebuild that team, get rid of the kind of dead wood, the ones that were the higher wages that are bringing them down. Um, I'm sure they'll have a few people stepping aside in the summer that will come near the end of contracts. Um, but for everything, yeah, listen, you know, you couldn't watch that week in, week out, even the way they play today. Now, there'll be no one complaining about it because they got the result, but they're a very, very hard watch for 90 minutes to see the way they play football or try to play football. Absolutely. Um, Leeds United are gone, Dave. I heard this thing when they came up. It's great to see Leeds United back up. Such a big club uh, to have them back up in the Premier League. Uh, then when they came into the Premier League, everyone was going wax r- lyrical about how great they were with Bielsa and what fabulous football they they played. Uh, I, for one, didn't give a crap about them coming up. And second of all, <laughs> I didn't see this football that amazing about, you know, I just didn't think it was. 
anything really. I just thought it was hard hard work by a lot of hard player or good good solid players. Um and for me to see Leeds United go down, I'm not really too bothered either. Uh, how do you feel about them? <laughs> uh, yeah, the tradition of Leeds being there uh, and and a big name, and obviously it's a tasty name when it comes to like the Yorkshire, Lancashire, like the 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 bit of a derby with with United and what have you. And obviously it came up with a lot of a lot of hype with the what was it called mortar ball that they did in training. And when it clicked, it looked fantastic. But they were open all hours defensively, so the big boys eventually figured it out. Like at the very start of that first season, it was a bit of a surprise, I think to one or two of them, but yeah, they did, they did their homework and then they were able to figure it out. And obviously they've struggled ever since. And then a bit of a merry-go-round this year with Jesse Marsh, not quite down in the bottom three. And they, they, they kind of wanted to make that change quick. And I can't even remember the guy. Was it Grazia or Garcia? I can't remember Garcia, yeah. uh, who came in. Yeah. And then, of course, they tried to get Big Sam in to pull out, pull off a miracle. So, in terms of how they've gone down, I'm not that bothered. But yeah, the name, yeah, it's a bit of a pity. But at the same time, you know, they get what they do, they, they get their just rewards. But no, I do agree to agree with you to an extent. Without a shadow, like a, a lot of the hype that came up with the Bielsa ball, which was, as I said, impressive, rare. But uh, yeah, the bit once he got up to that level, the big boys figured it out quite quick, and the talent wasn't there, but the work ethic certainly was. But the talent, unfortunately, was was always a bit lacking. I, I find, and even this year, a lot of a lot of bodies came in again. You know, Nanto, Somerville, Aronson, Adams. I can I can rhyme off about ten players where yeah, I remember one good game, but I, unfortunately, I remember five or six where they're bad. It just wasn't consistent enough, and obviously, the most the most inconsistent teams are down on that bottom three, as we all know. Absolutely, and when you look at Leeds, Neil, it does them no favours. Uh, well, if you look at Notts Forest, they stuck with their manager, Cooper. I, I'm, I'm sure they thought about it at times. Would they keep him? Would they not keep him? But that paid dividends in the end, and Leeds were on their third manager coming into the end of the season, and in desperation brought Big Sam in, and he got one point out of 12. If you're not going to manage your club properly, you can't expect the managers to manage their players properly and uh, I say the board have to take a lot of criticism for what's gone on at the club yeah I mean look the Sam thing in a, you hit the word on the desperation like it's ridiculous bringing Sam Allardyce in with three games to go and expect them. and City was one of their games weren't they like it was just nonsense so part of me is kind of going you know tough so and so you got what you deserved you left it too late um, if Sam had a saved them, and even like looking at, I, I'd watch maybe the first 20 minutes of the game today, there was nothing about them that you kind of went, they even looked like they were fighting. You have a crowd there, everyone's roaring, and like spores of all teams to show up on the last day of the Premier League, you think you want the serial bottlers against you, and then spores go and stick three or four <laughs> past you. It's a sickener, man. So yeah, for Allardyce, I'm, I'm not unhappy. I don't like him, don't like his style of football. It's a little bit like Sean Dyche today. I was kind of caught between the two of them, thinking I couldn't give him monkeys if both of these went down and Leicester stayed up. Because I do find Leicester a better watch when you when you're when they're in full flow, they're not a bad side. So I felt a bit for Leicester. They felt they were they they did enough, but um Deich and Deich ball just seemed to kind of stifle that game with Bournemouth and they did enough. So obviously Leeds and them were just gonna suffer. And look, as we said, you get what you deserve after 38 games. They were in that scenario. Everton had the best position going into that game today. They just needed cool heads and to execute the plan, and the plan came off without a hitch for them. I did. I think you might be harsh on Sean Dyche, Neil, of watching the game today. They tried to play football. They did knock it around. They just they don't have the talent there. They don't have the centre forwards. They, they got it into positions where the ball was going out wide. Uh, some of the players, the, the crossing wasn't great. Uh, for me, 
I thought he, he's done okay with them. I didn't think it was long ball stuff. Um, do you think that he's stuck in one position that he he's, he's he wouldn't be able to adapt to playing any sort of system? Like I'll give Dyche one to, uh, sorry a couple of things. I give him credit for the way he organises his back line, the way he brings in the three centre halves, the way he has them workmen like like you. I would have bet money that the likes of Tarkowski or someone would have scored a goal today from a set piece or a you know deflection or a header or something like that. So he does the bits well, the basics well. Um, I thought McNeil, by the way, has been probably the best player all season, and he looks like he can open up a team and he's a good he's good on the ball he can interchange he had today he was playing i think wing back which was a little bit awkward but um he can do it so he's that kind of shining light Marty gray in the early part of the season he was pretty good at the end of the day sean dice has the tools in that sorry does not have the tools in that team to be playing expansive football but when you see him set up with the kind of midfield that he does it's just anti foot. I don't see how he could play any other way when you have that kind of midfield at your uh, at your disposal. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be horrible. And you're going to try and nick it. Now, for today, for the purpose, absolutely 100%. And he stuck to his plan. And I think he would have been pretty comfortable going into that dressing room at um, half four today thinking, yeah, I'm okay. I'm in good place. But, like, where is he going to go with this? Where, where Do they want to build a team that plays... I still want to say Burnley-esque. It's Dutch football. Is that the way that Everton want to play? Is Are the fans going to be happy with that at the start of next year? It's not good on the eye. And I'm not saying Everton never played beautiful football, but, you know, at home, you weren't to go to some park. They, they got at you. They got in among you. The crowd were in your face. They need to think about what direction they want to go with and what they're happy with. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Spurs, if you catch me drift, that are Spurs happy watching the way their team plays at the moment. When they, you're surviving, it's done now. You can have that conversation now over the summer of how, how they want to approach next year and beyond and what kind of football they want to play. Yeah, um, well, it'll all be in the telling next year and we'll see a lot more of Everton next year. It'll be interesting to see who they get in and it'll be interesting to see how they play. We're keeping a close eye on them. Now, Leicester City, Dave, not far off what we were thinking about with Leeds the start of the season they were told they weren't going to be spending much money there wasn't going to be much budget for a player they let a couple of players go and again you talk about centre forwards Vardy is on the wane he's not the same player as he was Daka is up there he's not as good it's not even half as good as Vardy was uh, probably on his worst day so mm. and then they've got managers in and out of the door so where do you think well again the question is not where do you think they should go from here but <laughs> Do the board need to rethink about what way they're going to approach next season? As in, they're probably going to have to let go of the Madisons and anyone who's on big money. Yeah, like obviously Smith has an experience of getting a team up of a similar stature. Villa would be a decent sized club. Um, so that'd be one thing to look at. But um, yeah, they'd probably have a look at the contract straight away because I'm sure there's one or two of them that wouldn't have re- relegation uh uh, kind of contract so I'd say anyone who doesn't have that kind of where they have their ways they're gone because it's a massive drop of money without a doubt I know you get parachute payments but it's not on the same level Um, so yeah that's going to be very very interesting and whatever they have planned see that's 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 something I'd love to know a little bit more like how do clubs plan at the bottom do they have plan A for if they're there and plan B and how much effort can you put into both of them I, I'd say it's going to be hard either way so do they have two listed players? Like when you think about it, it, it can sound very ominous, but at the same time, there should be a need, at least enough there on top of what they could pop, they could easily buy some of the best of the championship and, and around to try and get themselves back up. If it, of the three that are going down, 
you know, you would probably fancy them to kind of come back up the quickest, I think, if 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 you are. But at the same time, that's easier said than done. But me personally, I'd probably stick with Dean Smith. He, he's been in that championship before. And as I said, a similar status club in terms of Villa, I'd probably give him a crack at it um, because he nearly pulled it off. I know a lot of people might say, oh, that second last game, he should have gone for the win. But it would have been a masterstroke playing for that point if they had pulled it off today, in which they didn't. But... I'd maybe give him a go and see what happens, but yeah, I'd love to see how it's done because I'd say that's a that's very tough to run. Neil, they had a seven-year stint, I believe it is, in the Premier League. They won the league, they won a cup. It's not bad turnaround for a team who's always been seen as an up-and-down club. But again, this is something that you look at on all teams. You're judged by your transfers in and your transfers out and they obviously just haven't done the job. They've, they never sort of built on what they did when they won the league, probably even when they won the cup. You could kind of see this coming, though, right, couldn't you? Insofar as you you keep selling your best players, and es- and I was going to say Esther, Leicester had a habit of bringing in this uh, kind of like Brighton did. They brought in these guys from like the French league, twenty million here, fifteen million there, and all of a sudden you realise, Jesus, it doesn't matter that you've let your best player go. You've brought in another kid, another kid, and they just seem to get it right. But something happened. I think it was the year before last um, under Rodgers. They signed nobody. They let a couple of players go. And it just, the likes of Dakar came in, didn't hit the ground running, wasn't of the same quality. And you could really see this coming from afar. Brendan Rodgers had that team competing for Champions League and missed out narrowly two years in a row. And from that point then, they have fallen off a cliff because they just haven't being able to rejuvenate the squad. Like you look at their midfield today, I think it was indeed it was Telemans, you know, Harvey Barnes and all these. It's the same names. There's nothing new about Leicester at all. And um, probably Jewsbury Hall is the only kind of name that kind of come in from the academy wherever he come in from. But they don't seem, they never replenish that side. And as we've seen with other teams in the last while, when you keep doing that in the Premier League and the demands of the Premier League, uh, when you keep doing that year after year and you don't replenish, you end up getting caught up. And that's exactly what happened to them. And I don't know if this is a wake-up call, as in this, you know, as Dave said, they might be better placed to come up, but they're looking, if they can bounce back quickly, if they have a plan B, as Dave is saying, around players, maybe, yeah, they can turn it around. But that championship, when you get stuck in there, you know, you could be talking about it for the next 10 years unless they've been stuck in a division like that. But I said it at the start of the season, and I'm not just saying that to say it, but we talked about this with Leicester, and I said they're not, they're not, they're, they're, they can easily go down. The bubble bursts. Look at the Boltons and look at the Jarlins, yeah. and this could happen to Leicester because it just highlights again just how hard it is to go after the big boys. And the only reason why Newcastle, which I'm sure we'll bring it up, is because they have the Arsenal in the background. It, it eventually it does catch up on you, and obviously they had they hit the skids this year. They had to. Uh, tighten the poor strings and unfortunately everyone else just slipstream past them and unfortunately they're they've they've bit the bullet now and, and and it's one of those sad state of affairs and i i know they're premier league champions but we all know that that was that fluky once off and if you kind of get away from that this isn't as big a shock as we think even though we know what happened six seven years ago the yeah, probably that... only surprising thing Roy is that Brendan Rodgers st- stayed for as long as he did I'd love to hear what he would have to say in a day like today when they're gone about, you know now that the dust well given another few days the dust will settle I'd love to hear what Rodgers would say around being hamstrung you know was he he's had plenty uh, at the start of the season mm, but he still stuck around when you were expecting him to get the bullet and then it looked like he turned it around and then they ended up back down there again I'd love to hear what he would say on that I'd say he wanted the compensation nearly. he wasn't going to be kicked out and not get anything <laughs> he was going to yeah. he's going to go down go down with a few quid um, 
is that a warning, Neil? Though, like you just said there about Brighton, is that not a warning to them? Like Leicester have sold off their players. Brighton seem to be doing something similar, and everyone talks about oh they're brilliant, like the football they played, blah. But they were talking about that with Leicester, and they've talked about that with other clubs. Uh, I even remember when they were talking about Iceland and how they've you know they've changed football and their coaching structure. We'd all should look at Iceland and how they're doing stuff, and they're doing nothing now. Is it a thing of if you don't look after and and build on what you're doing, it slips away from you? Yeah, right. I mean, listen, it's it's that old adage of how much do you want to invest in a team? And I mean, if you, as soon as you take your eye off the ball, as soon as you drop your standards, as far as who you're bringing in, who you're selling, Brighton would be a good example because they seem to be just on the, on the sweet spot right now. You've got <clears throat> say McAllister, uh, Casado, Matoma, like their three players that would be sought after by a lot of premier league clubs. So the question is, do you sell them? Do you sell one of them? Do you sell two of them? Brighton seemed to be by the comments at the end of the season, they were kind of saying, yeah, we, we expect to have at least two of them go out the door. Be very, very careful because the next three signings, four signings may not be as as agile. They might not hit the ground running. They might not come as good as these guys did. Um, because as soon as you change and you think you've done enough, the Premier League just swallows you up. And Leicester have proven that now. It might have taken two or three seasons to sink them but it's been coming a while and it's purely down to investment and clever investment at that. Absolutely. And when you look at Brighton, they have Europa League football next year and added sort of heaviness to their season, even though they'll be looking forward to it, it, it will catch up on them, especially if they progress along the way. So yeah, they need to be very, very careful. And uh, you see the likes of, even the likes of over in Spain, Sevilla, who struggle sometimes in the league, but they, they, they're they happy to be in this our Europa League kind of uh, area. They seem to do well there, but they never seem great to hit cup. the, yeah, great cup, but just never want to, never want to yeah. go on. It is uh, now anyway. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was I going to say to you? Chelsea. Chelsea, Pochettino, Dave has. Oh, I knew signed. you'd come to me with Chelsea. And listen, it's, for me, it's a good signing for, for Chelsea. I'm not sure if it's a good move for Pochettino. Yeah. And I suppose he will have to have that guarantee that he can move players in and move players out at his own will. Because if he's doing it at the club's will, he's not going to be around long. Don't think I can add much more to that, Roy. I think you're bang on the money. As long as Bowley can suddenly just smell the roses and chill out and go right, I trust a, a group of people above Pochettino and Pochettino to to play with my money and get us back up the league. And I seen what I did this year, and I'm sorry, and take a step back. Yes, but you, you know, take that with a pinch of salt at the minute because obviously we'll probably allude to it with everybody, and I might as well just say it now. This summer is critical for uh, the transfer window because everyone and their mother is after potentially striker and midfielders. So say the big seven, if I include Chelsea with Spurs, Liverpool, Newcastle, United, Arsenal and City, they're all after similar players. They're not all going to win it. So it's very, I think this summer is vital because as I said, three or four will win and others won't. And that top four could be completely different next year. And that's how dramatic it can be if Chelsea are successful. And the lure of Poch might help, but I but I'd say there'll be a bit of apprehension. If you're one of, if you're a big player on the move, 
the only reason you'll go there is because you know you're going to get well paid. But you could be going into a melting pot of, of messiness still. So watch that space. So I still think they might be at the bottom of the ladder when it comes to players coming coming in. But it's this year is going to be very, very keen. There won't be loads and loads of movements, but it's actual quality. It's going to be vital this summer. And Pochettino is probably the only silver lining that might get one or two of them over the line in terms of Chelsea. Because obviously there's there's talks of of, of plenty going one way. Um, but freeing up loads of money means means they're obviously going to have to overspend to try and get ahead of your cities and Arsenal's and Liverpool's United of this world. So it's going to be interesting. But let's let's finish on that. And, and exactly like what you, what you said, if, if they leave and be, they've got a chance. But who knows with Chelsea? Yeah, Neil, I'm looking at their side today. They drew one all at Newcastle. Uh, last game of the season, Newcastle only had third place to play for during the Champions League. They're happy enough. But when you look at their midfield, they've got... Enzo Fernandez, 100 million. They've got Conor Gallagher and Loftus Cheek either side of them. Now, if you've seen a Chelsea side with Conor Gallagher and Loftus Cheek in it there a year and a half ago or maybe two years ago, you'd be worried for them. And this is their problem now at the moment. So there it says to me already they're probably looking for a couple of midfielders. You look at their front line, Havertz has always been, never been a centre forward and they keep playing them centre forward. Sterling is gone off the boil altogether could be revitalised so that's not something there and they have a Maduke who listen he still has a lot to prove you've got a back line uh, Aspilicueta time's running out with him Lewis Hall decent I actually like him I think he he could progress into a decent player Thiago Silva I think might have his day and uh, Shalaba is at the back and kept it in goal for me when you look at that team there's a lot of change needed yeah, it's amazing that you can spend. There's a Chelsea guy who works with me now, and he he uh, it's amazing. He was saying to me, 600 million or ever they've spent in the last while, and you still don't have an 11. That is the envy of everybody in the Premier League. Like it's actually unbelievable, um, of what they've how they've wasted that money. Like whatever Enzo Fernandez has, to, like if he doesn't come good next year, he will basically be the biggest flop that ever was in Premier League history for the money that they've spent on him. 15 million he signed in um, in, in Portugal last year and then they bring him in for 100 and whatever million. Absolute criminal. Um, now, just talking about the other guys, as for the Queda, Thiago and a few of them, I think that Pochettino will need to draw a line in the sand under some of the old guard um, depending on what uh, formation he plays, you know, your future, your club is like your Reese James is, you know, these guys that are going to make an impact again, depending on the formation he plays, you still do need to keep a bit of experience around, but he'll have to be pretty rootless when he goes in there, because if he's learned anything from this year is that the fans are going to really be demanding that from the start to next year that they get things right. Plus he's ex-spores and you know, that way that goes where, maybe a little bit less patience with him if things don't come out of the blocks the way they should. Um, but they are a very young side. I think I've seen a stat during the week. They started a team like of 23 years and something. It was one of the youngest sides ever. So he needs to invest in the new players they've brought. He needs to figure out straight away who he's keeping and who he's going to bring into his 11. Um, and then he needs to add. He needs to. Add, it's unbelievable to say again after 600 million, he needs to add to that squad and you need a striker. And God help them because... Every man and his dog is looking for a striker at the moment and Chelsea are going nowhere unless they get a proper front man. Absolutely. Um, and you have the likes of Fofana on the bench, uh, Koulibaly, uh, who I think is overrated 
good player, but just think he's overrated. Didn't think he was ever that good uh, as not as everyone else was saying as top, top, top class. Uh, you got Murdoch, who's definitely not going anywhere because that's an eight year contract. He's never going to get a contract like that ever again. Uh, Joe Felix, I think, is only on loan, so he'll be going as well. So you've got some players there that most of the players who are brought in uh, are kicked back out again. So. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a strange thing for them to have to go through, but they're going through after their uh, ridiculous sort of rebuild. They're going to have to go through a proper rebuild now. And, and here's a question for you, Dave. It just popped into my head because Evan Ferguson signed a new contract at Brighton. Uh, you would think that that's keeping them there at Brighton. But if Chelsea turned around and said 100 million for Evan Ferguson, you know, Brighton and the scenario that we're talking about. How would that go down? At Brighton would say sold. Yeah. yeah, Brighton would say sold. Simple as that. Would we want to see him there at the moment? Absolutely not. But uh, yeah, if somebody comes in with that amount of money and and that's kind of going back a little bit to Brighton, it's not that they they don't want to get rid of their players. But if somebody's coming in for 70, 80 million now. You're gonna you have to sell them because that would start you, going down. They start going down the slippery slope real quick though if they start yeah. selling just yeah, like that though but like eventually like the, every every player has its price so if, yeah if you come in with that money of course they would but that's what Chelsea will probably have to do this year no matter who they go after they're going to have to overpay Um, but they need to sort they need to cop on when it comes to those contracts because yeah your Mudrick is going to be like my my favourite buddy that was with Liverpool uh, Markovic who just seemed to be there forever he's going to be around for eight years now and probably go out and loan if he keeps playing the way he is and will never be seen in a Chelsea short if he keeps doing what he's doing um, but yeah no every player is his price so yeah Brighton out the door with you with 100 million but uh, with a selfish Irish hat in me I wouldn't go near them at the minute until we until we see how that unfolds Okay, Right Roy, we also have to look at the other side of Chelsea at the moment I also think it's bloody brilliant and the longer they spend <laughs> doing what they're doing I, it's great leave them in the mess that they're yeah. in spend another 600 million on a, on a bunch Go of no marks that are going to just warm your bench and reserves and your physio table <laughs> for the next 8 years I'm delighted if that that's after setting them back now it reminds me like of the Spanish teams when they made one or two bad signings like Coutinho and Dembele and they didn't work out. And it, it sets you back a couple of years until you can get rid of these guys. Chelsea have burdened themselves with bang average players for eight years. That is brilliant. That's like internal sabotage. <laughs> so long may that continue. <laughs> okay, so not quite a bigger mess, but a mess all the same. Tottenham Hotspur miss out on European football. And Neil... It's back to the same question. We're back to Harry Kane and he has had a good season again, banging in the goals. He's the only one who seems to be performing at a high level every week, week in, week out, generally week in, week out. Obviously, you know, um, it all depends on, on what way the teammates are going. But again, we said before, if he's playing with someone like Manchester City, uh, he's he's seen as, as world class and he, he still is. Is he staying or is he going down there? Ah. Uh. If he doesn't go now, this is it. He owes them nothing. He literally owes Spurs nothing. But the biggest problem is Daniel Levy isn't going to make life easy for Harry Kane and he isn't going to make life easy for anyone that wants to buy him. It's one of these things in my mind, Roy, you think to yourself, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind if he retires the best all-time goal scorer, this, that and the other and wins nothing, 100% he's going to regret that. He must know that. you got to move on. Football stands still for nobody, whether it's your bloody childhood club, whatever it is. We used to say it about Gerard. He wasted a good number of years um, at Liverpool. He could have gone on. Mourinho wanted him. We know that. And he stayed. Luckily for him, 
you know, they, they won a, war, a, a European Cup and he, he got, at least he could say, well, look, at least I have that. Um, it reminds me of Alan Shearer signing for Newcastle, thinking it was going to go on to better things. If he was in Manchester United's team for that five years, he would have won every single thing in the game. He would have been cemented. You got to move when someone wants you. You got to be selfish. You only get one career. And Harry Kane is now at a window where this is it. Last chance saloon. He's at the top of his game. Everyone would love him. Everyone would love him. If Chelsea weren't as their direct competitors, I guarantee you Chelsea would have 150 million on the table for him tomorrow and he would mm. solve a hell of a lot of their problems. Manchester United is the obvious one for obvious reasons. And again, if he brought 25, 30 goals into a Manchester United team, imagine the difference that he would make. Like you're swapping out, you know, for arguably the best goal scorer the last five years. Um, and it just makes a big, big difference to your team. So will he go? Oh, Jesus, I don't know. It, it feels unbelievable to say I don't think so. I have a feeling he might stay, but I just think he's going to regret it if he does. Okay, let's do a little curveball here, Dave. We'll dip out of the Premier League for a second and dip back in again. because, But we'll still stick with Harry Kane. Everyone's talking about less that the Manchester United, any, anyone else in the Premier League. But what if Bayern Munich were to come in? Seeing Bayern Munich at the weekend, they won the league, but Borussia Dortmund let the whole thing slip. Uh, only had to win a home to mid-table Mainz, 2-0 down, missed penalty against Haller. Um, you can comment on that game. But if Bayern Munich, looking at them, don't have loads of goals up front, would that be perfect for Harry Kane? He's not upsetting anyone of the Spurs fans. Uh, they'll probably pay a little bit of money for him because he, he'll help them in the Champions League because at the moment, they don't even look like getting to a semi of a Champions League, let alone a final. Yeah, it'd be perfect, but he's going nowhere. He will never leave that Premier League. He's getting that trophy one way or another. And I mean the all-time goal scorer. And for me, I would be starting to get nervous if you were going to sign Harry Kane because that's going to be his one and only. Not one and only, but I think that'll be his tunnel focus the closer he gets. And how much will it benefit the team he's with? I think leave him at Spurs, let him be a distraction for them and they'll be 10th, but he'll be able to be paraded around as the all-time league goal scorer. I'd be a bit weary about taking him in the closer it gets to it because that'll be the sole focus until it's done. Um, so he's never leaving the Premier League. He's going to get his hands on that one way or another by hook or by crook, I think. Um, as much as I do think, yeah, going to somewhere like that would, would appease the fans exactly like you said, but nah, he's going nowhere. He's staying in that Premier League, whether it's at Spurs or not. That's... That's another story that we'll find out soon enough. I thought last year he tried his best. He went all out. He went to AWOL and still managed. They still managed to somehow keep him and it never happened. And obviously they got their hands on Haaland. Um, or whether they, whether they were trying to get the both of them, I don't know. I doubt it. But uh, um, yeah, no, he's Premier League. No, no ifs, ands, or buts. He's getting his hands on that all-time score. Trust me. Neil Newcastle. Do you know what? I was literally just thinking Newcastle while Dave was talking there. Imagine him. Now, not that Newcastle necessarily need him, as in they're not too bad up front, but man, he's still an upgrade. I mean, on Callum Wilson, Callum Wilson versus Harry Kane, um, there's a huge upgrade. And I mean, playing Champions League. Now, does that mean he's the guaranteed silverware? What is he, 29? Kane, is he? I don't know if he's 30 this yeah, year, 30, but he's definitely 29, 30. So you would imagine he has two really quality years left in him and then we'll see after that. And this day and age, look, you could be like Ronaldo playing your 35, uh, 38. But anyway, I would say it would be a brilliant, it'd be an interesting move for him. But 
it's not a guarantee that he's going to win. You kind of the conversation you always feel is he needs to move away to win something. If he joins Manchester United, it's not a guarantee he's going to win the league, but most likely he'll win a cup or something like that. You join Newcastle at the moment, they are on the up and up. In the next two years, they're going to have a stellar team. So maybe that could be it'd be a very interesting move. Again, I couldn't see it. I'm, I'm a bit like Dave. He'll chase the record and he's he's just going to stay there and rot. It's it's unbelievable. I don't think he's only got one year left, so it's stay and leave next year or they get a couple of quid from this year. Well, if it is only one year left, like, yeah, Spurs will have no option. If he doesn't want to sign it, they'll have to sell him. Simple as that, won't they? There's no way to let him leave for free. Jesus Christ, after all that, no way. It's been going on long enough now, so it has to, Mm. we have to get to that sort of crossroads at some stage. So, yeah, Yeah, no, it's going to be very interesting. Okay, we will talk about Liverpool, an embarrassing four all draw today against Southampton. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the first Uh, time I've heard that today. (laughs) But listen, in all fairness, Liverpool, I go with Dave on this and starting this one. There's no point in summing up the season. We've talked about the season all year. Yeah. What do they have to do to improve next season? And can, can we be specific? Who needs to go and who you think needs to fill the shoes? Well, Milner needs to go. Ox needs to go. Keita needs to go. Firmino needs to go. Look, um, the only good thing is it's it's. I've been screaming about it for a while and I don't think it's any shock. It's midfield. It needs to be... Um, like at least one, if not two, starting fresh midfielders. Um, I'm not overly excited about him. I think he's finishing the season strong because players can do that, as we know. Um, but I'll give him another year in terms of Curtis Jones. I thought he's done quite well in the last few weeks where you're like, okay, he's took the safety off a little bit. So maybe he might become, not necessarily the main three, but certainly Happy maybe back number- up. Yeah, number four. Like I think he's done enough to kind of give him another year. But players are good at that. They they're good at showing up when they feel like it, you know. And then they can disappear for a while. But uh, you know, without a doubt, I think there needs to be two. There's strong rumors of obviously McAllister. Now there's like there's rumors of about fifty of them. But then there's other rumors now that Ugarte from Sporting Lisbon, they're willing to meet his fifty odd million release clause and. Apparently, he's an absolute workhorse, which seems to fit right into their uh, MO. Uh, and he's Uruguayan, you know. They, 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 like, whatever about the finesse of your Brazilians and Argentina, Uruguay are battle hardened, and he seems to fit the bill in that sense. And then, obviously, McAllister has a bit of both. And then you'll have a, another, I don't know who it's going to be at the minute. I think Henderson's going to have to start going down the Milner route and the Ryan Giggs route, where he manages games if he wants to stick around. I don't think he's a mainstay in the side as much anymore. Um, Fabinho probably doesn't have much time to prove himself I'm not saying let's write off this year but you could maybe give him another go I'm not too sure but then again the other core ball is is this whole Alexander-Arnold thing is he going to move more into the midfield or is it going to be the right back coming into the holding so that's going to be an interesting dynamic without a shadow of a doubt um, and then in terms of the back line I, I'd be happy enough but I think we need another centre half I think maybe it's time for Matip to maybe we need to start looking at who's going to come in to partner, say, Canate for the future, because Van Dijk is at that 30-31, and he's obviously not quite the same player as it was. So they need to look ahead in that and maybe look at an up-and-coming centre-back centre to be number four to slowly build them up to maybe partner Canate in the next year or two. So that's where I would go. I think the front line, there's plenty of them there at the minute. They can fight. There's plenty of competition there to fight for who the main three are going to be. They've scored a quite a bit of goals in the last, say, 10, 10 games since they've all been fit. So I'm not overly concerned about that. So, yeah, it, it, 
I'm not saying exactly who, but it's looking like McAllister's likely probably a another, and then there's a bit of a fight then for one one or two of the old guard to kind of get that third spot. Um, but look, a tiny a tiny bit more hope that the season finished a bit better that the the one or two right signs and clever signs that mightn't have to be as drastic to get back in and fight for that fourth with a for top four with a bit more um like where they were trying to scrape it in at the last minute that they did this year yeah. but like like i said to you earlier on you you've just described chelsea who need midfielders spurs need midfielders united arsenal with Xhaka going there's a there's only a small group like whoever wins the battle in the summer could could guarantee their top four spot quite easy yeah what about alexander arnold nail in midfield do you think that's something that's going to kick on do you think it, will Klopp see that he's given in if he does that or do you think that he's seen that that's the the best likely outcome for him where do you feel he is with that um, I think he's given it a real good go now. He's 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 given him quite a number of games since he moved him in there. Um, his stats are through the roof. He seems to be proving it on that regard. But the same old problem of Liverpool's midfield being a little bit porous and people being able to get at them. Um, I don't know if you watched the Villa game last week where Ollie Watkins just kept dropping out onto the wing to where Trent would be. And then every time there was a transition, they just popped the ball 50 yards over Kanate and Ollie Watkins was just running riot down that wing so much like Dave was saying earlier on where there's clever managers out there they watch the way you're playing a bit with leads and then you begin to pick them apart I think he's had a kind of a 10-12 game kind of a cameo role in there I do think that Klopp likes it I think he's moving and maneuvering his team in order to allow Trent to play there the question is does he feel in every game and I would even say well we can't say big European games because we won't be seeing them next year um but against the big guys, against your your cities, your Uniteds, your Arsenals, are you going to try and beat them at their own game? The City and Arsenal like to do that Sinchenko role, the Stones role. Will Klopp deploy Trent in that regard or would Pep find a clever way of exploiting you? So I do think he is he is seriously interested in it, but he definitely needs a plan B in case A, it's tougher when you're, say, away from home, and then B, that if the experiment doesn't work. I mean, that's on the base that Alexander-Arnold plays every game, you need another guy to be able to do that if that's going to be your system. Um, my biggest worry, and go along with uh, Dave, is I think Fabinho, looking at him this year, I don't think he is what he was three, four years ago. I think he's finished as a top, top holding midfielder. And that, for me, would be the first thing I would address. If he gets injured tomorrow, you're looking at Henderson, who's not natural in the six. They, I know I keep banging the drum of Casado, but Casado or someone of his ilk, that would be my first sign. And, and then, you know, you're playing a little bit of a lottery with Elliot and Jones. So basically the two is are more or less saying they need uh, three new midfielders and the others are playing for fourth, fifth and sixth if there is a fourth, fifth and sixth place. So, uh, yeah, and Chelsea, Manchester United looking for those midfield players. Dave, Manchester United have probably... Uh, Harry Maguire is free, so if, if, if they wanted to get Matt about there. Uh, but I'd say Harry Maguire is going to go. Linderoff is probably going to be. I think they're got there. I, I should have this down in front of me. I don't. I have the South Korean player from Napoli, the defender. Uh, that looks like that one could be going through. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Centre back. But the likes of Declan Rice has been muted for Manchester United. There's going to be a few people looking for players. Manchester United need a centre forward. In actual fact, they've been. Uh, Rashford has done unbelievably well this year because they've had Anthony Martial, they had 
Anthony. They've had Jaden Sancho, uh, and he's had to carry the load for all of those because they just they haven't been up to standard. Yeah, like I, I, I suppose it's weird, like because United have had a, a solid season, but you're kind of going shit. There's a lot of work to still be done there, which is which is funny. So I suppose it's it's a, probably a, a tip of the cap to Ten Hag for doing what he's done when you think about it, because there's a lot of go, there's a lot of the, the dead wood still to go. There was because you couldn't do it all in one go. So the next the next group have to go, and obviously three or four need to come in. So it's a uh, once again it's further proof of. This is going to be a mad summer. And obviously, number nine, I think, is critical because if they have a similar season to what they've had this year and they have a guaranteed 20 goal a season, man, top four is guaranteed, but they could get up to probably Arsenal's level where they are now. That's how critical I think the number nine one is. Mm. And after that, 100% to send to half, but they're already looking like that's done and dusted. But straight through the spine. Um, um, and and I've said the midfielders they probably can't do a massive over like I'm talking three top class if they can if they can get top class centre midfielder to kind of be the mainstay with the like see your Casemiro and Bruno that's a decent cent that's a decent centre midfielder I think a lot of the clubs would be jealous about and then feed it in and then hopefully Rashford can keep this momentum going and then they can figure out that Rubik's cube on the right hand side of Sancho and Anthony for now but um, yeah it, you know it's going to be interesting because it's obvious they're still dead wood to go but four or five players still need to come into order to get to that level of jumping on Arsenal and potentially even Man City. So they, they, I think they're the most interested of them all because there's definitely plenty going out, but you need plenty in as well. So I think they're going to be the most fun. Is Rashford going to stay, Roy? Asher, where else would he go? He'd be highly sought after, wouldn't he be? He probably would be, but like really and truly, where would he go? He He's, he's not going to go anywhere in the Premier League. I just couldn't see that happening, uh, going anywhere else in the Premier League. Uh, you go if you is, go. To is someone, his contract gone? Is his contract finished now? As in, if he doesn't no. sign, or does he have another year? I think, I think he's another more. year left. Right. So the likes of Paris Saint Germain were muted, but really, who wants to go to Paris Saint Germain? That's nonsense. And then it's, it's only the likes of Barcelona, Bayern Munich, and and Real Madrid. Now different if Real Madrid decided that they want them, but they have someone playing in them positions, you know. So I just couldn't see that either. So for I don't me, think he'd be the same player. I don't think he'd be the same player. No. So for me. The best move for him would be to stay at Manchester United. For Manchester United, the best move for for him to stay. Uh, but it depends. I mean, if they show a lack of disrespect, you know, you go out the door. You, that's the way it happens, you know. So, yeah. uh, but I, I I can't see him going anywhere else. To tell you the truth, I'd be very very surprised if he did. Uh, Neil, just on Newcastle, they're going to have the Champions League to work with next year. So that means they, if they want to have a go at that, they're going to have to bring in, and a bit like Manchester United, who need a, probably a strong spine to be brought in, better players than they have there. Uh, you couldn't say too much different about Newcastle, could you? Yeah, I mean, look, Newcastle have to look at the likes of even West Ham this year. I know it was Europa League and uh, our conference, the Europa Conference League, but the toll that that took on them playing every, where they weren't used to playing the midweek game and then playing the weekend. Uh, really told towards uh, the end of the season. So Newcastle need to plan accordingly now. They need to make sure they keep the squad that they have. And then you see Newcastle have this conundrum of do we go for quality or do we go for numbers? Because you would imagine Newcastle, if they were thinking they were not going to get the top four this year, they would have just, you know, kind of chugged along and done what they've done now and add that. Like Gamares and a few of these guys, really, really shrewd signings straight into your first 11. They elevate you and you've gone up a level in every position. So where they go from here now, they've got to be clever. I don't know what sort of budget they're going to have, but they're definitely going to need bodies in the door because that Champions League brings pressure. It brings more uh, minutes in the legs. 
Um, and then you got to go out and do it again after a big night, you know, a Wednesday night full of adrenaline. You got to go out on the Saturday mornings and that, you know, they all whinge about that 12 o'clock Saturday morning slot when your adrenaline's wearing off from the big European night. And then you go out and you get sucker punched by someone on the Saturday morning. So yep. there's a there's a big learning curve for them, I think, coming down the line this year. Yeah, and again, probably success for them would be just getting the Champions League spot again next year. For sure. Uh, because, you know, you have to have some sort of stability. You don't jump straight on to win the league unless they have something under their sleeve that they're going to buy uh, all the top players in the world. Dave, I'm just, I was just thinking when Neil was talking there and the question developed in my head from who do you think out of the three that have gone down this year that some of those teams could take that they would look to buy? And then I went to James Madison in my head and I was thinking, has he got a place in any of those teams? Of course he does, without a doubt. Um, second half of the season, probably not as prolific as he was the first half of the season. I kind of talked about that before the World Cup you need to see it in the second half of the season where he's playing up to try and get into the England squad. Now, in fairness, I think he still was one of the better players in the second half of the season, but Leicester just really were kind of in self not self-destruct, but they were just slowly but surely you could see the form is just dwindling away and it just wasn't working out for them. But uh, he definitely has a place. Is he going to be the main man straight away? I would say no, depending on where he goes. Um, where could he fit in? Somebody will, with, with team. Yeah. Um, pretty much any of them at the minute because about six of them all need a midfielder, so he could go into any of them. Who would, where would he suit best? Probably Newcastle. I, I, I think United need to get bigger and better. I think Arsenal would want to get bigger and better, and so too would Liverpool. I think he's good enough to have a pop at that level, but you know, I still think there's a bit of a room like it's I'd still like to see another season before I can say he is a top six midfielder, so that's why probably Newcastle will be best in that sense, or Spurs even for that matter. Um, but yeah, if I was the other three, I would steer, not steer clear, but you know, I'd be I'd be trying to get a slightly bigger and better, like obviously the Bellingham's and Rice's and all these other ones that they're talking about. I would go there quicker than him. So maybe Newcastle, but at the same time, somebody will have a pop at them because once everyone goes for the Bellingham's and Rice's and everyone else and they're all gone, he's the only one left. So I'd be shocked if one of the six or seven don't buy him because um, they can't all go to one team. I'm sure someone has them in their mind. Um, yeah. He is. I'm. I'm not overly. Again, I think he's a good player. I think again, a bit like Mason Mount, Neil. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see because there's a lot of talk, Neil, about Mason Mount going to Manchester United. Um, yeah. If you were to have a choice for, we'll just say Liverpool. Who would you rather, Madison or Mount? Um, I would be thinking Mount purely because if you go back maybe two years, there was a point where he was in the squad um, really performing to a high level. He was in the England squad performing well. And he was one of these, I remember kind of saying him and Phil Foden look like they're going to be the next one to break through. Um, now he's gone kind of a bit stale this year, the management issues, the squad issues, etc. He's the type of player you want to see under a different manager to see what he can get out of him. I think what surprised me during the week was with the United and Liverpool rumours after Mount was the price tag. They were like talking 60, 70 million and I thought that was madness um, considering the season that he's just had. So I'd be very weary in dropping that kind of chunk of change on a guy like him who has really had a poor year by his, by the previous standards. So, um, but I still, I, I prefer Mount at the moment. Okay. Right, we're going to leave it there because uh, we're going on quite a bit now at the moment and uh, 
that's the Premier League finish. It's a wrap. We, we know who's gone down. We know who's coming up, Dave. Uh, Luton Town is going to be an interesting one. and um, We might talk about that a little bit more. We've got Burnley and Sheffield United. So, uh, so, again, as always. And I think one of the great things about this year is the teams that came up all stayed up this year, which you, you never kind yeah. of think is going to happen. So that was fantastic for them to do that again. So next year is going to be a little bit of a challenge, I'd say, um, for these teams coming up, um, especially Luton. I don't know how, who Luton are going to attract in. Yeah. It's going to be a little bit of a tricky one, especially with Kenilworth Road the way it is. I'm not sure you know, Madison will be going to Kenworth Road where you might see him go to somewhere <laughs> not far to start, something like that, you know. So, uh, But leave, we leave it there. We've got the FA Cup. A nice, uh, the- a nice ray of hope for the likes of McElhenney and Reynolds when to think they were in the National League 11 years ago. So Absolutely. If, they're pa- if they're patient... So you're saying there's a chance. There's a chance, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure we'll see Wrexham up there in no time. Okay, (laughs) thanks, lads. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. And for you listening, thank you.